Welcome to New Dentists on the Block, a podcast featuring new dentists sharing their experiences in the world of dentistry, successes, challenges, and life in between, navigating dentistry together one experience at a time. This week, we have Dr. Amrita Patel. Dr. Amrita Patel is a general dentist in private practice in Westchester County, New York. She graduated from the NYU College of Dentistry in 2011 and completed a general practice residency immediately afterwards. From 2018 to 2020, she chaired the new dentist committee of the New York State Dental Association. She was the recipient of the American Dental Association 10 Under 10 Award in 2021, which recognizes 10 new dentists from around the country for excellence in their work and inspiring others, and received a Denobi Award in 2022. She is the social media manager for ICD Global, serves on the board of the NYU Alumni Association, and writes columns for both the Academy of General Dentistry Impact Magazine and Dental Economics. Amrita is an absolute rock star and is so passionate about the profession and connecting with the next generation of students. In this episode, we talk about her journey in dentistry and how life is about to take a big turn for her. So excited for what's to come. Thank you to Between Two Teeth for sponsoring this episode. Let's get to it. Amrita Patel, welcome to New Dennis on the Block. Thank you. How are you doing today? I'm good. Coming to you live from my operatory. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Hey, you know, it's Monday. Uh, we're back at work after a weekend. Yeah. Do you work uh, every day of the week? I work six days while I'm in New York. So. Oh, yep. wow. Yeah, I've got a six-day week this week. Oh, my goodness. Oh. I, but you're always traveling. I'm just kidding. I'm just yeah. kidding. <laughs> oh, I am, and I make up for it by working all the time when I'm home. Oh, I bet. I bet. And Rita, I would love if you would tell our listeners a little bit about yourself sure. and kind of your experience after graduating uh, dental school and going into the deep dive of the dental world. Sure. So I graduated from uh, NYU in 2011, and in New York State, you have to do a year uh, minimum of postgraduate training. And so I did a GPR, highly recommend for all of your listeners. It's called the practice of dentistry because we continue to practice. So any practice right. that you can get is great. And hey, you get paid for it. So that's even better. Uh, so I did a GPR. I finished that in 2012. And I have been working for my father ever since. So that was 11, well, I guess, 10 and a half years ago. And, and that's, that's what I've been doing. Uh, I got involved in organized dentistry after dental school, I was actually not an ASDA person, which always really, really? Yeah. that surprises me. I know it wow. surprises everyone. I was so terrified of getting kicked out of dental school and having to study all the time that I sort of just like put my head down and focused and didn't really do very much else. So I was, I was not, a, I'm not a HASDA bin. A lot of people think I am. Yeah. Well, I feel like your involvement with ASDA now uh, kind of is making up for it. Yeah. It's actually one of the things that brings me the most joy getting to sort of program with and, and do events with all the dental students that are just so committed and manage to have it together sometimes better than we do. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I definitely didn't have it together, but it was a fun group to kind of have on me when I was in ASDA. But I love the connections that you have made with your with people in your community, like dentists who are serving in. Are you closest to District 1 or District 2? Two. So I am a New York dentist. Okay. Um, and I did live in Connecticut for some time. Uh, but now I'm in the midst of a big life change. And so I've actually joined District 10, because that's where South Dakota is. That's where wow. I'm how do you feel about that? Um, I'm excited for the adventure. They're all really, really kind and welcoming out there, which is awesome. Uh, but it's going to be a change. I'm going to be sort of splitting my time between there and, and here. 
because I am, of course, still going to be working part time in New York. I'm probably still going to eventually move back here one day. Uh, so I am a South Dakota Dental Association District 10 member, but I do still have a membership here with the New York State Dental Association. Very good. Now, you're, you're, do you still practice with your father? I do. Yep. He's the only job okay. I've ever had. Wow. Yeah. And um, does he own several practices? He does. Yeah. Or yeah. Is so he okay. owns uh, a group of practices up here in Metro New York City. So for anyone that's listening, that's not familiar kind of with where we are, we're about 30 minutes straight north of, of New York. And that's where we are. This is the area I grew up in. Very cool. And how was that transition for you coming out of dental school, going to, into a practice that your father already owned, kind of already had a culture set up? Yep. How, how was that? It was a lot more, I think I was harder on myself than anyone else was on me, if that makes any sense. I don't think, you know, I walked in thinking, well, people are not going to want to see me because I'm the daughter or they're going to be used mm -hmm. to seeing uh, a male dentist. And what I realized is when you go into an operatory or you go into a meeting with your team members and you sort of know what you're talking about and you're confident in yourself, people respond to that. So uh, in the beginning, he and I were together every day. And as we expanded and bought more offices, now we're only together one day a week. Okay. And how is he, how does he feel about the move? Uh, so I got engaged about a month ago and so they Congratulations. are, thank you. Super thank excited you. for you. Thank you. So I think that sort of like legitimized it in their head, right? They were very much, you know, we don't want you to go without a commitment, which makes sense, of course. Um, and they know it's not forever and that I'll still be around. So everyone's happy. Absolutely. Yeah. That's the beauty of dentistry is that there's so much flexibility and you can make the career the way that you would like to see exactly. your career kind of fulfilled. Exactly. And you don't really get locked into anything. And you know what? There's If you want to change things around in your personal life or your professional life, we have a career that allows us to do so, which is so great. Absolutely. Can you talk a little bit about the change in practice setting that you'll be having moving from where now you maybe are part-time or full-time practice owner or partial owner to maybe moving into a different setting that you're moving yeah, into with your big move? Definitely. So I am going from private practice ownership to community health, which is a big change, but huge, 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 huge. huge, huge. Um, but it's three minutes away from where I'm going to be living. And the people are really, really kind. And, you know, I do so much work with the community here personally and professionally that when I was kind of looking around at what I wanted to do when I was there, for me, it was just a natural progression. And, you know, I still get to work in New York and I still get to sort of do the private practice thing, but I also get to go out there and try something new, which I'm excited about. I, I love that. And, you know, I'm in community health, so obviously I'm very biased, but I'm so excited to hear what your experience will be and what adventures will come about um, that transition. Yeah, I'm excited. It's going to be a whole new world. It is a whole new world out there, but I'm excited for it. I want to go back to before dental school to young Amrita okay. Patel's uh, life. And I read somewhere that you wanted to be an Egyptologist. I did. And I would love for our listeners to know why <laughs> what that is and why you wanted to do that yeah um but please share with us sure so honestly carmen san diego i wanted to be carmen san diego aside from the whole stealing artifacts thing you know i grew up watching that yeah. show we all played that <laughs> game uh, oh yeah on the computer oh, yeah. and she always ended up in cairo and i was like this is cool and that sort of sparked my interest in ancient history and i you know watched every national geographic show i read every book um, took every class and I've been to Egypt twice. 
Um, it was awesome, but that is where my love for ancient history came from. All those years ago, I was so young. I was like in grade school. I love it. And how did you transition from that to going into dentistry other than obviously having your dad in the profession? That was it. That it was a very much, you know, well, culturally, we don't know if digging around in the dirt for a living is going to be something that's acceptable. <laughs> so you can go to medical Fair school enough. or you can go to dental school. I highly suggest you go to dental school because you'll have a guaranteed job and, you know, God willing, no one's going to die of a toothache. So, you know, 20 some odd years later, here we are. And thankfully, I've managed to sort of find a path in dentistry that fulfills a lot for me. So I still get to see patients, but I also get to do all this work with dental students, residents, and new dentists, which is really sort of my why. It's my passion. Oh, I love that. Do you have any regrets about not becoming an Egyptologist? I don't, because the Arab Spring happened in 2011, and the government out there got really strict about who they were giving dig permits to. So they limited it first to just Egyptian nationals, then people from the Gulf Coast states. Uh, and then kind of, I think they've just started to uh, relax their restrictions and start to give dig permits out to people in the EU. But I would have been a very out of work Egyptologist. Wow, that's so interesting. That's a whole different world. And I love that you have that background. I just think that it adds just a, a extra layer of interestingness to you. Thank you. In uh, the dental profession, you have found a niche kind of in uh, cosmetic dentistry. Is that correct? Yeah. So I do a significant amount of that when I am home and working. Yep. How, how did you find that you were passionate about cosmetic dentistry and what have you done to help improve that skill for you? Yeah. So, I mean, the standard answer is kind of CE, but, you know, one of the best things sure. about our profession is that we can, someone walks into your office or sits in your chair and you can turn their day, week, month, life around in an hour, right? If you need to. And whether it's, you know, a nice new set of teeth, whether it's taking them out of pain, taking out a tooth that, you know, has been bothering them forever. Mm -hmm. We have the ability to literally change lives as cliche as that sounds. It's the truth. And there's not many even fields in medicine that you get to do that. So that's kind of where all of that came from. Very cool. Are there any CE uh, pro programs or classes that you took that you feel were very beneficial to you? I will tell you that through all of the CE that I've taken and all of the training I've done, the single most influential time of my life that helped to build my skills was that postgraduate training year. I mean, you see mm. patients from a giant variety of backgrounds with every condition under the sun, sometimes medically complex, and you really learn how to treat the whole person. Uh, and you also learn skills, not just limited to dentistry, but even just skills that could save your entire career. You know, I've had patients have seizures. I've had, I learned how to manage that in my residency program. I wouldn't have known what to do. I mean, we read a chapter about it in a book in dental school, right. but having to sort of deal with it firsthand in a hospital controlled setting can really save your career. You know, big abscesses, uh, medically complex cases, those things, all of that foundational knowledge came from my residency program. Yeah, I, I can't encourage a GPRAGD enough either. And, and you know, I, I think that it attests a lot. Obviously, you had to do a, a PGY1 in New York, but you knew you were going to go into a practice where you were going to have mentorship. And I feel like that's always the hot debate. Like, should you jump into practice where you're going to get mentorship or should you do an extra year of training? 
And I, I would say that that extra year just adds so much more into your wheelhouse. Exactly. You, get a, you gain a set of skills that you may may or may not attain when you start practicing. Mm-hmm. And so I, I would highly encourage it. And so um, yeah. you, you heard it from somebody somebody here too as well too. So. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, like I'm you said, has that experience. The, you know, the mentorship aspect is something I hear a lot of new grads and students say, well, I'm going to get mentorship anyway. Well, I knew I was getting mentorship. But aside from, of course, the legality where I had to do the GPR there was things that I learned that there is no chance that my father could have taught me. Um, there's situations that I was in that I would not have gotten into in private practice. And you get to learn really how to work in a team. You know, we all say that we're team players. Well, you got to do it because more and more I'm seeing newer graduates uh, want to buy practices very quickly. Well, you, right. you've got to learn team building and communication. And there's just no time to learn that in dental school. And it is Absolutely. dollar for dollar the most valuable skill, communication. And I built so much of that working in a team in residency that I wouldn't have built in a silo in private practice. Yeah, that's huge. And, you know, transitioning from one team to the other, from your GPR team to the private practice team, would you say that that team in the private practice setting was pretty welcoming to you and, and willing to kind of guide you as what the day in and day out looked like in the practice? Yeah. And, you know, one of the other things is that I that I did that I would recommend, uh, you know, when your residency ends and you're waiting for your license to come through, there is a lag time, right? Whether it's a few weeks or a month right. or two months, mine was about a month. So you're not licensed. You don't have a DEA. You don't have malpractice. Use that time to maybe hang out in the practice or practices that you're going to be working at ask your future boss if you can just come in and spend some time and maybe they can review treatment planning with you or you know that you maybe you can sit in on a, a morning huddle meeting or anything to sort of get into the culture of the practice um, or practices that you're going to be working at so that I, I hung out in the office just so that I could sort of listen in and see the way things went and that was really helpful to me so it wasn't so much just like a shock when I started so that's what I would recommend yeah, that's huge. I feel I feel for me, you know, I, I came from, I, I did an AGD, but I came from a setting that uh, was kind of controlled very much a school setting to a public health setting where everything was brand new. And I kind of was just thrown into things. I was the only one here for a few months. And the assistants were huge in my development as a dentist and continued to be great uh, in, in developing me as who I am as a dentist and kind of guiding me. Um, and, you know, learning to work with an assistant, I think, is also huge because we didn't have that. I don't know if you all had that in your dental school, but we didn't have any assistants when we when we were um, pre-doctorals. Yeah. No, we didn't have that. We assisted each other, right? Your patient cancels, right. you're free, you come and help me, I pay the favor back. That's how we made it through. Aside from mentorship in the private practice, where else have you found key mentors in your career as a dentist? Yeah. You know, one of the things I like to say is that mentors don't have to be dentists. They just have to be people that maybe live their life in a way that you respect or you want to, you emulate, um, or, you know, have wisdom that maybe you aren't gaining from your, from what you're doing. So some of the people along my journey that have been mentor figures weren't dentists. And the other thing too, especially for some of us, as we sort of grow and change in our personal and professional lives is you don't have to have the same mentor forever. It's okay. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, in my community, I've met mentors and my travels, it's all just different points of view and perspective. That's kind of what it's all about for me. And so I would say, especially for uh, people that are really involved in things outside of dentistry, look for mentors in your community. You know, look for mentors in your places of worship, in community activities that you might be involved in. Um, 
you know, leaders in, in sort of various charity programs and events that I've done, you know, you look at the way that these people live their lives and these lives of service, and it's so inspiring. Talk to them, see kind of how it is that they do what they do or where they found their purpose. You never know what you're going to learn. Oh, I, I love that. I, I just had the opportunity a few weeks ago to head out to District 9 and, and speak to the students that were there. And I was telling them the importance of having a mentor in, in the dental realm, but also kind of getting away from that and finding somebody who can just mentor you in life. Because I feel like the first, you know, 10, maybe even 20 years of practicing is still so crucial and, and can mold you in such a unique way. Mm-hmm. Um, but taking time for yourself is so, so key. Yeah, definitely. And what do you do to keep yourself sane and to get you away from the practice of dentistry? So, you know, it's interesting you ask that. One of the things I talk a lot about, one of the presentations I give is about finding peace. And it's specifically because what the, the lectures that I was hearing were about work-life balance. And to me, that's a mm-hmm. fallacy. There is no work-life balance sometimes. Everything just moshes into one big blob. So sometimes you have to find your peace in that, that, you know what, I know I'm going to have a difficult week, two weeks, month, but I've got to put my head down and get through this because there's going to be a trip at the end, or there's going to be a chance to spend time with loved ones. Um, I found a lot of peace in travels. You know, I know a lot of people hate flying. For me, everything is very organized and I can just get on that plane and you know, it's my time to maybe do some work, maybe watch a show that I need to catch up on. And that was where I found my, my unplug moment. Um, the other thing I think that's important, and you hear it a lot, is talking about like a detox from electronics and mm-hmm. literally unplugging. Well, that's not, that doesn't bring everyone peace. Some people want to FaceTime with a family member or a friend that's far away. Some people watch a show that kind of lets them zen out for lack of better words. So I think it's important to find what works for you and then be authentic, right? I, it's funny, I go on Instagram sometimes and I see pictures of people that have just run a 5k and already have their green juice and it's 7am and I'm just waking up. That gives me anxiety, (laughs) but it gives them peace. I love that. It it gives them peace, right? So uh, that's what kind of helps me unplug. I plan my time out around where, where do I want to see? What do I want to experience? Experiences are really important for me. So that's what I sort of plan all my time out around knowing that I've got to make it through this and then I'll be able to have a recharge. And in between, if I've got to get on a plane, I've got time where my phone's not going to be ringing. I can do the work I want to do or not. So that's what I do. I love it. And I love how genuine you are with your experiences. And I love following your travels because they make me really happy. And I feel like I can experience new places through the photos that you you share. Um, How beneficial have you found that that is for your own mental health? I think it's really important when you stop to consider the fact that we've all been locked at home behind a computer screen for the last three years, right? So Mm -hmm. it's been a because of the pandemic, it got really easy to constantly compare ourselves to each other and to think, well, I've done this, but this person is doing that and she's doing this and he's doing that. And oh my God, I'm not enough. And what more could I be doing? Mm. And it's easy to sort of get inside our own heads. And at the end of the day, our worlds are this big, right? If you're an endodontist like my dad, they're even smaller. So it's really hard to sort of (laughs) cave. It's really easy rather to cave in. Um, So being able to look outward and get out of my own head has been really beneficial to to finding some sort of calm in my mental state. Yes. 
Yeah, dentistry is, is tough. And I've had a lot of conversations as of late with a lot of dentists who are struggling. Yeah. And I feel like we're doing better with having these conversations, but I still think that we need to do more. Correct. Uh, just to kind of help our, our fellow men in the profession. Yeah. And, you know, I, I also say this a lot. Asking for professional help, getting professional help is not a sign of weakness. Um, I think a lot of that has been highly stigmatized in my culture, in our profession. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm a very big believer in therapy. We aren't therapists. Crowdsourcing opinions on social media doesn't uh, equal out to getting therapy. So I think saying, you know what, I need help and it's beyond something that I can maybe provide for myself or that I can handle is okay. Yes, very okay and, and very necessary and such a great outlet to have somebody outside of the profession, you know, listen to you and give you that professional help. I know that we do our best as professionals to give our patients, you know, that guidance sometimes. Sometimes we are their counselors, we're their, their therapists, but taking time for ourselves, I think, is, is really important. And I think that if there are any students who are listening and they have the opportunity to seek some kind of therapy in school where, you know, it's at a reduced rate or maybe even free through their um, mm -hmm. student health centers, yeah. they should really take advantage of that. Definitely. And Rita, do you have any advice for new dentists who are coming out of school other than, you know, doing an AGD GPR? Yeah, I think not being myopic would be my number one piece of advice. And what I mean by that is that dentists tend to miss the forest for the trees. So it's really easy to get on a hamster wheel and then look back and say, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years have gone by, what did I just do with my life? So if mm -hmm. you're not intentional about goal setting and figuring out where it is you want to go and what you have to do to get there and taking steps to make sure that you best position your way on that path, um, I think that it's really easy for time, which is one of our most valuable commodities aside from good health, to just slip by you. So, you know, I, I, for me, I knew I wanted to help build our business and I did, and I knew that in order to do that, I was going to have to kind of take my personal life and put it, uh, mm -hmm. on the back burner. And mm -hmm. I didn't know what that meant at the time. And what it meant is that I wasn't going to find a life partner until later in life. Do I wish that I had maybe met someone amazing younger and had a whole big family? I do, but I couldn't have done that and done what I did in the last decade, both mm -hmm. for organized dentistry yeah. and for my professional career. Um, something that I read that really resonates with me that I talk a lot about to new graduates is a speech that Steve Jobs gave in 2005. He gave the Stanford commencement speech that year, and he talks about lessons that he learned in his life. And you know, one of the things he says, and Steve very famously founded Apple, got fired, mm -hmm founded Pixar and then came back to Apple and was brought back to yeah. Apple um, and, you know, was wildly successful. And one of the things he says is you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking backwards. Mm. So you have to trust in Love something, that. you know, whether it's karma, your gut, destiny, whatever, you've got to trust that the, the dots will connect when you look backward. And so I sit here now, um, you know, 10 and a half years of work later thinking, well, instead of looking at my life, like, God, I didn't, I didn't, Kind of complete all these checkpoints that society tells me I should have. Mm -hmm. I found a, ha a partner. I'm happy and fulfilled. I have the ability to take care of myself via my career, no matter where I end up. You know, these things in the moments along the last 10 years, I was in my own head. I was not happy. And, you know, you talked about kind of perception and social media. If you look at my pictures, 
six months ago, a year ago, five years ago, I was miserable. You wouldn't have known it. Miserable. Mm. But getting to this place where I can admit it and be vulnerable in that way took a lot of professional help. It took a lot of help from my friends. And it took a lot of mm. saying, what am I doing to serve my purpose? And what is my purpose? Um, and so what I hope when I talk to dental students, residents, and new dentists is that they can sort of chart out their goals and along the way, figure out their purpose and say, you know what, this is what I'm doing right now. And maybe the way I'm feeling isn't great. And maybe what I'm doing isn't, doesn't really make sense or what, you know, what's happening in my life, but realize that at some point it will all make sense, you know, and even the negative experiences that you have, maybe the associateship that didn't turn out the way you wanted, maybe the boss that wasn't quite you thought they were, um, maybe the program that didn't let you do everything that you wanted to do. Well, these are all building into the experience of your life and you get to choose what you're going to do with those experiences. So that that's the advice I have. Gosh, I love that. That was Excellent. I think um, I, I just love your vulnerability and I appreciate you sharing that. And I completely agree. I think that there are so many societal pressures for people to do X, Y, Z in their life. And mm -hmm. your journey will take you where it needs to go. The amount of times that I get asked, mm -hmm. what are you going to get married is way too many, way too many. It doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, the time will come if it's meant to be. And I think that finding your happiness okay. in your own realm and your own path is, is so key. And Rita, any, any closing thoughts? Yeah. Yeah, um, I am sort of all over the country at this point. I do a lot with ADA Success, yeah. which is really cool. Yes. Um, and that's sort of how I get to interact with so many dental students. So, you know, one of the things kind of that I'd say in the way that I, I close with with them that, that I think resonates again with a lot of people um, is really, you know, finding happiness and finding a cause that you can dedicate yourself to that's sort of higher than your own self that's the best gift that we have. Um, it's one of the best gifts that this profession gives to us. Everyone doesn't have to be at the front of the room on every stage, but the best part of all that we get to do, whether it's speaking or lecturing or writing or whatever, is hopefully empowering someone that's listening to your podcast or someone that reads an article that I write or a dental student that's in a crowd that I'm speaking to, to say, you know what, if she can do it, I can do it too. And that's sort of been the theme of everything I've done, whether it's uh, in organized dentistry or in my professional life. Um, it's why I intentionally sort of pick roles that sometimes there aren't many newer dentists uh, in those roles, because I want people to say, well, you know what, maybe if, if she's doing it, then I can do it too. So, you know, I would say get out there and explore. There's a lot of really good people in our profession. There's a lot of people that are willing to say yes to the questions that you have, to you asking for time to talk. Uh, five of my biggest support systems are people within organized dentistry. So uh, Duco from Texas, David Manzanares right. from New Mexico, Chris Liang oh, yeah, from Maryland, yeah. uh, Nima Aflatuni from California, uh, and Mike Saba from New Jersey. These are people that have sort of guided me through the last decade as I blundered my way through this whole big world of organized dentistry that I'm in. And a lot of them had experiences where they gained wisdom, that they were able to sort of correct me if I was doing something that maybe wasn't serving my purpose. But, you know, I think the last thing I would say is that mentors have a way of seeing things that we can't see because we're in the moment. And sometimes their words come across as harsh or maybe critical that is where we grow. And so you can take those words and say, wow, I'm being judged or they're not being nice. Or you can say, hey, these are areas that I can grow and do better in. And that's the only way that we progress. So make sure that you take the experience of other people 
um, and, and use them to learn and to grow and pay those blessings forward because there's a, there's a lot of blessings in our profession. That is excellent. I, I think that those are powerhouses in dentistry. And, you know, I'm right in the middle of Duco and David being where I am in El Paso. And you tell Michael I say hello. Mm -hmm. But and Rita, if our listeners would like to connect with you, what's the best way? Yeah, so I'm on LinkedIn, uh, Facebook, and Instagram as the Dr. Amri. So the word the D R A M R I. So you can find me on all of those platforms. I'm pretty active, and they can send me a DM. I love it. It's always a joy, pleasure, and honor for me to speak with you. Never enough times. We're so we're so far away, but you're slowly making your way down south. So I, I love it. I am. And Rita, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for having me. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of New Dentists on the Block. If you would like to connect with Amrita Patel, you can find her on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Her Instagram handle is at the Dr. Amri. Please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on YouTube and on all major podcast platforms. Would love if you would like to leave a review of this podcast. If you have a new dentist you would like to recommend for the podcast, please be sure to send us an Instagram message at New Dennis on the Block. Thank you again to Between Two Teeth for sponsoring this episode. We'll catch you on the next one.